there are all sorts of reasons that people might have for worrying right now. What reasons do you have for worrying? Well, not least, there is the threat of the virus. Especially if you're in that high-risk bracket, you've got to stay indoors, stay away from other people, uh, take extra special care not to come in contact with others, lest you catch the virus, which would be a real risk to your health. But that's not the only risk, is there, that causes worry. There's the risk of the, the shops not having the right amount of things or the right food that you, that you need when you go. There's the uncertainty over the future. Uh, the uncertainty about the economy, the uncertainty about when this will all end, when are we going to come out of lockdown. Perhaps you've got uncertainty about your job or your company or perhaps even your whole industry that you're working. Maybe the worry for you is not about what might happen in the future. Perhaps the worry is what has already happened to you. Perhaps your household finances have already been hit. You're wondering how you're going to keep up the, the mortgage payments or get the food on the table each week or, or keep clothes on your backs even. And that's not to mention all the other things that life has that cause us to worry the rest of the year. How are the children doing at school? How, are, um, how is my health? How are your relationships with others around you or, or the peers at your school and so on? It's easy at this time to become overwhelmed by anxiety and worry and it's not helped by the way that when we when we read the news what we're presented with is is means of becoming experts at analyzing the problem but there's not very many people giving any solutions to what's happening it all helps to to to, to push us into this corner of worry now, what I want to do today is consider what the Bible says about this situation. What does the Bible say specifically about worry and anxiety? How does Jesus' teaching affect the way we live through these next few weeks and months? So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. Turn there if you've not already got it open in front of you. And what I want to show you is that based on Jesus' teaching, Christians have no reason to fret. That's my point this morning. Christians have no reason to fret. Now, Jesus' teaching starts in verse 19. And in verse 19, he introduces two different types of treasure. You've got treasures on earth and you've got treasures in heaven. Now, treasures on earth are characterised by the way they are so easily lost. Have a look at verse 19, if you've got a Bible with you. Look at the way those treasures are described. Moth and rust destroy them. Thieves break in and steal them. Is that all? Well, no, you, you could add to that list. You could say these treasures go out of fashion. These treasures lose their value through depreciation. These treasures are lost through redundancy or an economic crash. There's all sorts of ways in which the treasures we store up for ourselves here on earth can be lost so quickly and so easily. In fact, they're lost so easily, you might wonder how they can be called treasures at all. 
Children, have you ever seen a photograph of your parents from a time before you were born? You can picture the photograph, even if you've not got one in the living room there with you now. What, what do your parents look like in that photograph? Don't they look really funny? They've got really big, strange hairstyles. They've got really wacky clothes. If it's inside the house, the, the, the wallpapers are real garish colours. Your dad's driving around this, this huge old brick of a car. Maybe they've got mobile phones that are bigger than your two fists. Ginormous things. Why do you think your mum and dad dressed like that at the time? Why do you think they wore those funny clothes and had those funny hairstyles? It's funny now, isn't it, to look back on them? But, you know, at the time, they weren't doing it to be strange or unusual or different. Back then, that was cool. It was hip. It was happening. It was the thing to be wearing. But it's funny to look back now because those things have have gone out of fashion. And even those things that once would have been really quite valuable are now, well, we just laugh at them, don't we? They've become worthless. Even those things that at one time people would have considered quite important. Now, it's kind of funny to look back on fashions and and styles and tastes and things like that, because when they change, well, there's not an awful lot that we lose. But, you know, the same thing happens to many other things in life that people chase after. Finances, uh, jobs, uh, companies and industries, our houses, our status in society, our hobbies. They can seem so important and they can seem to give us such value at one period in our life. And yet so quickly they can be lost or taken away from us, or they go out of fashion, or they get used up, and suddenly all that we'd worked for slips through our fingers, and it's gone. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. The sad thing is, these are those treasures, treasures on earth, that so many people are chasing after. These are the things that so many people consider to be trustworthy, and dependable, and valuable and if i just get hold of them my life will be better they assume and some people will give almost anything to get hold of them now if coronavirus has taught us anything surely it's got to have taught us how earthly treasures can all be lost so quickly and so easily Even if you've not yet lost anything due to the virus, you certainly know people who have. So that that is treasures on earth, these treasures that can be lost so quickly. But then Jesus says there's another type of treasure. We're in verse 20 now. Jesus says there is treasure in heaven. Now, this treasure in heaven is different. In fact, it's you could say it's opposite. You see, this treasure in heaven, uh, look at how it's described. It, it doesn't rot away. There aren't moths who can destroy it. Thieves will not break in and steal it. This type of treasure is lasting. It can never be lost. It can never lose its value. It can never be stolen. It never degrades. It never goes down. 
How do you get hold of this treasure? Surely this is the type of treasure that we really want to have. Verse 24 then implies that this treasure comes when we serve God. When we live our lives serving God, when we live our lives chasing after what he wants for us rather than the things that we want for ourselves. That's how we get hold of this treasure in heaven. Living to serve and please God. And what that does for us, serving God, what what that does for us is it, it actually changes us. It prepares us for a life lived in his service for eternity. It prepares us for heaven. It makes us more like Jesus, our saviour. As we serve God, we find our our faith is strengthened, which is important because it's on the basis of our faith in Jesus that we will be welcomed into heaven. And it earns us a reward from God. A reward. The reward of living in his new creation, where everything is, is only ever good. Where we can live, finally, in the way that we were designed to live. Without hindrance, without damage, without death spoiling things. We can live with God, our creator. And those things, those rewards, those promises, those gifts of God, those treasures that we store up for ourselves now, those will never be lost. They will be there to enjoy for all of eternity. They can never be taken away, not by a virus, not by a debt collector, not by a thief, not by a recession. They're ours to keep. Many people today, today, are coming face to face with the fact that their earthly treasures are all slipping through their fingers far more easily than they expected them to. Maybe, haven't, maybe they haven't noticed the inherent weakness of earthly treasures until now, until it's all gone. Or until they see the danger or threat of losing what they have through the example of the way others have lost theirs. Jesus implores his followers, he urges you, seek out heavenly treasure by serving God. And then he says that for those who do seek out heavenly treasure, well, we have no need of worrying. If you are seeking out heavenly treasure rather than the earthly treasure, you have no need to worry. Now, that's not to say that earthly things are unimportant. That's not to say that it's not important about what we wear or what we eat or, or where we live. Of course, Jesus recognises those things are important. You do need somewhere to live. You do need things to eat. But his point is, those things are not where the value of your life is found. Those things are not your priority. Those things are not your purpose for living. And so if they're not your purpose, and if they're not your priority, then you don't need to worry about Chasing after them. You don't need to fret about keeping them. You don't need to despair when you lose them. We have no reason 
to fret about them. Children, there, there used to be an advert on TV when I was younger. And the advert was for McCain's chips. And it went like this. There were two little girls sitting on a bus. And they were sisters. And one says to the other, um, Sophie, what's your favourite? And then she would ask her different things. Red or blue? She'd have to answer. Um, uh, summer or winter? Uh, going swimming or going to the park? Uh, chocolate or ice cream? What's your favourite? And then she asks, what's your favourite? Daddy or chips? Whoa, daddy or chips? I wonder how you'd answer. Well, it got little Sophie scratching her head. Daddy or chips, daddy or chips, daddy or chips, she's thinking. And she's thinking about this all the way home on the bus. Daddy or chips, daddy or chips. I wonder what I'd choose. Daddy or chips. She walks in the house, hangs her coat up, and she's still muttering to herself. Daddy or chips, daddy or chips. She sits down at the dinner table and, uh, and her mum brings her dinner. Guess what she's having? A big steaming pile of chips with peas and, and ham. Lovely. And she's eating her. Daddy or chips, daddy or chips. And daddy comes in. And he comes up to Sophie, gives her a kiss on the cheek, and pinches a chip off her fork. Well... That fixes it for Sophie. She turns to her sister and says, definitely chips. Now, the advert is funny because it suggests that these chips that McCain's are selling you are so good, they're so lovely, that they're better even than your own daddy. But, you know, if you come from a home where your daddy loves you, I'm sure you know, really, that no matter how good the chips ever get, and no matter how annoying your dad gets and how many mistakes he always makes, chips are never going to be better than your daddy. Your dad has so much more of an influence in your life. He is so much more of a help to you. It's so much more worthwhile to have your daddy alongside you than it is to have a plate of even the best chips. Well, comparing treasures on earth to treasures in heaven is a little bit like trying to compare daddy or chips. Yeah, the the chips might have looked nice. Yes, the treasures on earth might look nice, might seem helpful, might be quite appealing, might be useful for many situations in our life. But compared to the treasure that Jesus offers us, found through serving God, stored up for us in heaven for eternity. Comparing the treasures on earth to the treasures in heaven is like comparing daddy or chips. They pale into insignificance and they are almost worthless in comparison to what Jesus offers us. But I know that that still doesn't answer all the questions for some people. What about then those issues in life where the treasures on earth really do seem to make a difference? Where they really are a help to us? We've mentioned earlier, people might have had finances hit. They might have lost jobs. You might be really struggling for money right now. Again, I'd like to assure you, Jesus doesn't say that those issues are unimportant. It doesn't say that they're to be totally ignored or swept under the carpet or just uh, turned a blind eye to. And he isn't saying, by telling us not to worry, he, he isn't saying just sit back and do nothing. But instead he reminds us of such an important truth. 
He reminds us that if God is our Father, and God knows what you need, then isn't he a good enough Father to give you those things? In fact, he says, God has promised to give us the things that we need. God has promised to care for us as his children. Children, do you ever look out at the at the garden and see the birds? And when you watch the birds feeding, uh, maybe on the bird feeder or, or on the lawn in your garden, do you ever think, um, I wonder if that bird would like the latest iPhone? Or I wonder if that bird knows how cool he would look in a pair of new Nike trainers. You don't, do you? Because birds aren't interested in iPhones or clothes or trainers or, or laptops or, or any other things like that. Birds aren't interested in the things that humans are interested in. What are birds interested in? Well, building a nice warm nest, safe away from the cats, getting enough food to eat each day. That's the sort of thing birds are interested in. So let's ask a different question then. When you watch the birds, do you think they ever worry about what is going to happen tomorrow? I don't think they do. Because have you ever seen, when you put out seed in a bird feeder, especially something that they really like, like sunflower seeds, if they were really concerned about tomorrow, the birds, they might say, right, come on chaps, let's only have a little bit today, so we've got enough tomorrow and enough for the rest of the day of the week until we get topped up on Saturday and maybe if they were concerned that the big bad magpie he'd stand guard uh, and stop the other birds taking too much but that's not what happens is it when you put out the seed the birds just come and eat it they're not worried about tomorrow they take each day as it comes and they enjoy the things that they're able to get on those days Jesus reminds his people in this passage God is feeding the birds. God feeds the birds. And because God feeds the birds, the birds don't have to worry about tomorrow. They just know that God will provide the food for them. Now, when it says God is feeding the birds, children, how is God feeding the birds? Do the birds all just sit in their nest with their uh, beaks open like this, waiting for God to dangle a little worm into their mouths? Well, no, that's not what happens either. God feeds the birds by creating this world just as he's created it. There are worms in the grass. There are millions and millions of insects, even in Loughborough, even probably in your backyard. There are thousands more than you could be able to count. And they're all there in order to feed the birds. God has made the world in such a way so that if the birds live as they were designed to, they will receive the things that they need. And Jesus says to his people, aren't you more valuable than a bird? Aren't you more valuable than a bird? Of course you are. Yes, to God, you are far more valuable than a bird. You might say, how do you know? God God made the birds, he made me. Why is one more valuable than the other? I'll tell you how I know. Because Jesus did not die for the sake of the birds. He died for your sake. Jesus gave his life to save you. Jesus has loved you in a special way that he's not done for the sake of the birds or the flowers or the creation. 
God loves you. And he's shown that love most clearly by what Jesus Christ has done for you. If God loves us to such an extent to allow Jesus to die on our behalf, doesn't he also love us enough to give us the things we need, to care for us, to provide for us? Of course he does. Of course he does. And so there's no reason that a Christian has then to fret, to be anxious, to be chasing after the treasures of this earth. They're not your aim. They are not your purpose in life. And God, your heavenly father, knows that you need them anyway. And he promises to provide. Now, the aim of Jesus' words are not to get you to sit back passively and do nothing. The aim of Jesus' words are for you to be deliberate in what you focus on. For you to be deliberate in what you are chasing after, in what you are seeking. And what he wants you to do is, instead of focusing on treasures on earth, which can only ever bring us anxiety, really, because they they can all just be lost so easily. Instead, he wants you to focus Be deliberate about setting your heart on serving God, serving God's people, building up that store of heavenly treasure. And it's this that he calls in verse three, seeking first, that is chasing after, setting your heart on, loving, aiming for God's kingdom or his righteousness. If you're currently in a situation where you've got lots of things occupying your mind, lots of worries weighing you down, lots of anxieties, lots of unanswered questions that bog down your thoughts. Have you considered that perhaps this situation is God's way of teaching you that there are certain things in life that you are trusting more than you are trusting God? Is God showing you areas where your life, where your heart is set on earthly treasure rather than heavenly treasure? Now, I don't mean to be big headed about that. Of course, the whole global pandemic isn't just to teach you that you're spending too much time on your model train set. No, there there are bigger purposes to what's happening here and bigger causes that God is achieving. But he still might be teaching you a specific lesson through this. What are you trusting? What are you chasing after? What gives you that sense of security? Is it knowing that there's enough money in the account? Or is it knowing that you have treasure in heaven that are yours for eternity? The way to tackle those overwhelming difficulties that that life sometimes throws at us Uh, the way to find peace when everything about you just screams anxiety the way to find that peace is is not by building ourselves up so that we can measure ourselves against the problem that's not going to be the answer not in a lot of situations Uh, the best minds of the world currently have still not yet got a solution together for the situation that we're in. 
There are some situations that are, there are some problems that are just bigger than we are, bigger than we're ever able to make ourselves. The answer is not, he's not setting ourselves up to measure against the problems. The answer is to set them up against God. When you stand them up against God, you see, wow, God is, God is so much bigger than this problem. God is so much more able. God is so much more powerful. God is so much more loving. And, and, and as big as this situation seems to me, me who, who is so small, yet to God, it's nothing. It's a trifle. And so the real way to find peace in a situation of anxiety is to seek first his kingdom. To draw closer to God. Why? Because although we can never measure up, he measures up far higher than any difficulty that this world can throw at us. When I was younger, I was at the beach with my family. And my brother had gone into the sea and he was on a rubber ring. And he was enjoying himself on the rubber ring, splashing around in the waves. And uh, as he was on the waves, that the wind was sort of blowing him out toward, into the sea, deeper and deeper. And he noticed, he looked around him and he realised he's, he's away from all the other people in the sea. He can't see the bottom of the sea anymore and he starts shouting out. Well, I was his bigger brother. So I said, oh, no problem. I'll just wade over and, and grab your rubber ring and, and pull you back. And so I waded through the sea like this. And the sea's coming up and up and up. And the waves are coming. And, and sooner or later, I, I couldn't even stand on my tiptoes. He was out of my depth. He was out of his own depth. What were we going to do? I ran back out of the sea. I ran away from my brother. I ran to get my dad. And I told my dad what was happening. I, I was in hysterics, really. And, and my dad charged down the beach, dived into the sea, swam out to where my brother was, and he caught the rubber ring. And then my dad stood up. And in that moment, you saw that really the danger that my brother seemed to be in was actually far less dangerous than he actually was. My dad could still touch the bottom with his feet. The water came way up his chest, but still only up to his chest. And he was able to walk my brother out of the sea. The problem that seemed insurmountable, far too deep, out of our depth for me and my little brother, was a problem that my dad was able to wade through. In the same way, problems that seem overwhelming for us as Christians are problems that we have no reason to fret about. Because we are in the care of God, our Father, who is far bigger than any problem that we're ever able to face. And who knows what we need and is able to provide for us even in those situations. With God on our side, Christians really do have no reason to fret.